0: Well, good day. This is Craig McConnell, and this is the Ransomed Heart Podcast. And I'm joined today with colleagues and friends, Brad Beck and Alan Arnold. And one of the things the three of us have in common is all three of us are dads, and we're dads at different stages in life, and our children are at different stages in life as well. And we were hoping just to have a roundtable conversation about being dads and some of the things we face and enjoy and wrestle with and want to invite you into that conversation. I will start.
1: I have a daughter, Brianne. She's in Southern California and married. She's 26 and a son who's 22. His name's Chris, and he's finishing college.
0: Wow,
2: very good. Yeah, And then I've got... Three kids and one is in elementary school, one middle school, and one in high school. Whoa. Two boys and two boys and a girl in the middle. Yeah.
0: And Gramps here. I have two daughters in their early thirties and eight grandchildren. Whoa.
1: It increases like every month or two. Yeah. They're Uh, popping them out. Yeah. Yeah.
0: We're I'm Irish Scottish rabbit. (laughs) Uh. (laughs) So, where are we as dads?
2: Well, Craig, when we were talking about this conversation a little bit earlier, one of the things that excited me to go into today is really no matter what age our kids are, what will they remember Hmm. about us as fathers when they're our age? And that, whether they're elementary school or whether they're off on their careers and having their own kids – to me, that's a really good question mm. for us as dads. And maybe some of the stories we tell today is, what will they remember about mm. you, about Brad, about me? When they are our age, what will stand out? And when somebody says, what was your dad like? Or mm-hmm. what are what are some of the things you remember most about your dad? If we use that as a way of looking at ourselves now, I think it not only helps us remember some good stories, but it helps us live good stories. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. And what would your hope your children's answer to that be? Yeah. Well, I hope they remember me as a man who they enjoyed being with. They enjoyed my presence, that they think that I went after their hearts and knew them individually, Mm -hmm. not just as a generic kid that I was trying to raise and help, but knew who they were at their essence and really entered into that.
0: Hmm.
2: I mean, they notice that from the time I think they're a couple of years old, they can pick up on is my dad present? Mm-hmm. Is he engaged in me? Does he really know who I am? Hmm. Or is he just paying the bills and taking me to soccer practice and, you know, yeah. doing kind of going through the motions? Through the
1: motions. Yeah. Is there joy in it for you? Are you
2: engaged? Right.
1: Yeah. They can tell the difference between engaged and checked out.
2: Yep. Absolutely. And so that, to me, has been the biggest just aha moment is I want to live that way now. Like, I don't want to, when they're 25, 35, 45, have to have regrets on. Yep. That was a really busy season of life. And I kind of took my eye off the goal for a couple Mm -hmm. of years because of work or because of. Whatever the other things were. And, you know, it's not the once a year trip somewhere. It's the epic trip. Mm-hmm. I think it's the dailiness of the phone calls, of the cards, of the conversations around the dinner table at this age. Yeah. Although the station wagon full of the kids and the
0: road trip to <laughs> the national parks of the West is a rich time. Together oh, there's good, good memories there too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Thinking of family vacation was well, that Chevy it? Chase, yeah, yeah, <laughs>
2: Wally World,
0: <laughs> yeah. How about you, Brad?
1: You know, as I was thinking about this, what I really want for them to think about me is that I'm there, mm-hmm. I'm available with Chris and Brianne, in their phase of life. They're away from home, mm-hmm. and uh, the vast majority of the year, the day to day just isn't going to be there. So what I want them to know is that I'm their biggest fan, Mm -hmm. and they could always get in touch with me. I am always a backstop to Mm -hmm. their life. Whether it's good things or bad things, I want them to know that I'm there, and I'm still their dad. I still love them, still pray for them daily, still hope and wish great things for them, Yeah, that I'm available. Yeah,
2: that's good. That's good. Brad, what's been an example lately of where you were available for them in maybe an unexpected way or something came up?
1: Yeah. About a week ago, my daughter was going through a job change in L.A., and it didn't happen in just one week. It's kind of been a process. She's been thinking of leaving her old position, you know, a few months ago. And When she was home for Christmas, we talked about that a bit and what she might transition to and what that might look like. And then we prayed with her and we counseled her, both Lisa and I. But then, I mean, just real practical things. She sent me her resume and I looked over it and edited it and made some suggestions. You know, at this phase with the kids being obviously adults in a way, you're much more of an advisor. And so I made suggestions, and they weren't strong suggestions. I thought they would help, but obviously left it up to her. And then, you know, she tells me she's got this job interview, and she didn't think it went real well. And then the day after that, she calls us and says they offered her the job. Wow. And I was, like, amazed, you know. She was really handling it well, and I was just help. And I was just dad for just a few things, but just really felt honored that she wanted to come back to me and ask for my advice. And I offered a few things that she wasn't asking for, but all in grace, not in an expectation that she's going to do exactly what I said. But I wanted her to think about a few things.
2: Mm, What I love about hearing that story, I remember when I was her age with my own father, who was a very loving man, but also didn't have a lot of confidence in his own advice. And so was more passive in those ways. I can remember asking him about, in this work situation, what would you do here? What do you think here? And in those phone calls, we were in different states, he would often say, you know, son, I don't know. You're the guy who's right there. So whatever you think Mm -hmm, is what's probably what you ought to do. And that, he wasn't trying to hold back. That was all he had to offer But it also, in a sense, gave me somewhat of a feeling of an orphan Mm -hmm. because I had a father. I was asking for that advice, the advice you were giving to your child. But he didn't have that strength to offer, didn't have that confidence in his own uh, responses. And so I love hearing what you're saying because that's how it should be. That's the way a father who is strong and whole pours into their child. Mm.
0: Yeah. Let me just identify kind of a theme we're hitting on right away here, and that's we can offer to our children as fathers what we didn't receive as sons. Yes. Oh, yeah. And it's just an incredible kind of ability that through the wounds and through what we've gone without, that we're now in a position to give – to our children, things we didn't receive. I mean, I'm sure you're a very different father than your father. Very. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And some of yeah. us had really good fathers, but we can't escape the wounds And as we're wounding our children. <laughs> so we were wounded. You right. know. Yeah. In terms of what I would hope as a father, I would just agree with you guys, and I would add... That beside being present and loving, I would hope that they see in me a Christianity that is far different than what they're being offered and what seems common. Mm -hmm. I'd love for them to see the freedom and the life and the joy of the gospel exhibited and lived out in my life. And that that would be a reference point by which they go, no, I'm not interested in that. Mm-hmm. I want mm-hmm. what my dad has, you know? Yes. That would be a big one. I'd also like for them to think of me as a bit of a mystery, that there was something about me that they never got but they're intrigued by. Interesting. I heard Larry Crabb decades ago say at one point that one of the things his father – communicated to him was that he loved someone more than he did his own children. Hmm. God. Hmm. And that just always stuck with me that there's a little bit of mystery. When we moved from Los Angeles to Colorado, my daughters didn't really understand why we were leaving them. (laughs) Yeah, And one of our daughters said, To the other, you know, mom and dad, they're living for something and in something we don't really get or understand. Something's driving them to live in a way that we don't fully get. I mean, it's a larger story. And for them to see and feel some of that is, I think, one of the high desires of my heart for them.
2: That's good. Craig, as you're saying that, they do see that in you and you do mirror the father's love for them in so many ways because first of your love for the father it's really cool to see how that pours into them and another aspect of god's love i think is when the three of us when anybody approaches him we always sense his abundance god's abundance versus his scarcity he always has time always is there lavish in what he gives and I want to be that for my kids. Like mm-hmm. I want them to feel like when they come to me, I've got time. I'm not half listening and half on my phone multitasking. Yeah. That mm-hmm. if they say, hey, do you have a minute? I can say, yeah, I got more than a minute. What do you want to talk about? Not, well, tomorrow I do, but right now I don't. Right. And so I've been trying to practice that, and it's been neat to see just to have that That sense that they know when I've got something, even if dad's at work, he'll drop it, whatever. If it's in the middle of anything, I can always ask him a question or tell him a joke or whatever it is. And he's got an abundance Mm -hmm. of time for me. Mm -hmm. I don't feel like I always do have an abundance of time, but it's how do I convey that to them so that they always feel that even if I feel like, oh, my gosh, I've got 30 things at the same minute right now. It's just that advanced prioritization of, but they get the first. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. That's good.
0: Can I share a story? Please. Yeah, please do. Yeah. Is this about
1: Livestrong? You know, is it your, your workout? No. Uh, no, it's not? <laughs> what would that have to
0: do with <laughs> being dads? <laughs> On, no, I just thought maybe topic, Brad. you were segueing to something.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's
0: a that's Is that another, another time. podcast. Yeah, okay. We'll talk about my, my <laughs> physical fitness program uh, <laughs> <laughs> next week. Jeez. <laughs> so, we're celebrating one of my grandson's birthdays and we're over to dear friend's house. She has a pool in the summer and just having a ball, splashing, getting wet, eating cake, yada 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 and I'm sitting back and just enjoying that – all these grandkids. I never pictured one being this old and two ever having grandkids and I've got eight of them and it's just amazing. So one of my grandsons who just doesn't give me a lot of attention, the other one just loves me, adores me, sees me as I am and just uh, (laughs) wants – He gets you. Yeah. Just (laughs) – It's just like a sponge, just taking all that I have to offer. But the other one is a little distracted by grandma. So I'm sitting by the pool, and he's four years old, and he comes over, and he jumps on my lap, and he gives me a big hug, and he says, I go by Boo instead of Grandpa or Grandfather or Pops. That's another story. But he hugs me, and he says, Boo, I love you. And looks me right in the eye, and kind of turns his head, and, and I'm going, oh, "Oh man, you know, this is what it's all about—just being loved by your grandson." Then he hops off of my lap, and next to me is sitting a friend, and he gets on my friend's lap. He says to her, "My mom said that if I told Boo I love him, I can have a piece of cake." <laughs> <laughs> Unedited children. Yes. Uh, (laughs) In that moment, it (laughs) deflated me and it just reminded me that parenting, there's that natural bond of love you have. But even in parenting and in grandparenting, just the call of God just to love, irrespective of any payback or anything. Right. Right. Amen. Yeah. And for me, it's really interesting. We're at such different stages. I mean, Alan, you're yeah. still very involved in
2: in training and teaching. And
1: day to day.
0: Yeah. Shaping. Hour to hour. Day-to-day.
2: And can I tell you a story of a lesson I learned in teaching?
0: Oh. Oh, yeah.
2: Yeah. It's really what not to teach. But okay. um,
0: <laughs> how come these stories a,
2: come so easy? Well, it's, it's a so negative many. lesson. Yeah. It's a, <laughs> hey, for the listeners, I just want to save them some grief. So this was a little while back, but I'm in the car with my wife and kids and she had run into the convenience store. And so I'm sitting in the car with the kids and one of my younger kids said, hey, dad, what's sex? Ooh, And I wasn't really ready for that. This was your (laughs) 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 23-year-old? No, this was a young child. And so we hadn't had that conversation yet. And the other kids are kind of perking up looking. Yeah, sure. I said, well, um, gosh, that's such a big topic. And I start to answer the question, and I'm not ready for this in the car and fumbling a little bit. And the kid looks at me then and goes, no, Dad, look over here. And I turn around and look, and the child is holding up a driver's license, and they say, it says sex, (laughs) M or F. So is sex M or F? And (laughs) I quickly realized I was about to answer really the wrong question Yeah. <laughs> so sometimes as a parent it's a lot easier if you know what you're answering so then I was able to say oh that's mom's driver's license and yeah it's sex is F female yeah so oh you got off easy yeah, yeah I dodged a bullet that time but
1: I think it's interesting the others were perking up you know what's dad going to do on the they were the taking notes here, yeah, yeah <laughs> they were
2: going to take notes I think <laughs> so when Kelly got back in the car I did ask her to keep her driver's license with her for yeah, yeah
0: yeah Yeah. The parenting,
2: we're thrown into
0: situations unexpected and always at the wrong time. Yeah. Amen.
2: So, Brad, as you look back, like from the days when they were in elementary, middle, high school, how have you changed as a father, not just because of their age, but how do you see yourself differently as a dad now than maybe back in the early years?
1: Oh, gosh. Thinking about, like your kids at their ages, Alan, and that stage of parenting is much more directive and much more dictatorial. You know, it's like, hey, you need to get up, you need to go to bed, you need to brush your teeth, need to take you to school. There's a lot of things that you just have to sort of make them do. And I think most of that went pretty well. But there's also a lot of freedom, you know, like your high school kids are choosing subjects, they're choosing friends, they're choosing sports. And you're there, you know, to give them more and more freedom. But then when they move away, your influence just changes dramatically. You know, it's not healthy to be a hovering parent and have no intention of being that. But you still want them to know that you're there, kind of be that backstop for them their biggest fan, so to speak. But you still feel like you have a lot to offer. But really, like Lisa and I just constantly are talking about, do we step in here? Is this one of those things that we really need to kind of weigh in? Or is this one of those things that we can give them more wiggle room from a distance? But at what point do we step in and say, Chris, really think you should be thinking about this or doing this instead of what you're doing. You just don't really have the day-to-day or hour-to-hour opportunities you did before. It's a great stage of parenting, but, boy, you're still their parent. You Mm -hmm. still feel Mm -hmm. it. You still love them to death. You still pray for them and hope great things for them. That's good.
0: Yeah. I think the other themes that is true of parenting is – I think God uses our children, and I've said this before, but uses our children to work on us Oh yeah, almost more than he uses yes. us to shape them. And that's not to diminish our role as parents, but I was the dad when my daughters were uh, 18
2: that I wish I had been when they were two and three. Mm, right. But you, Alan. Yeah. Well, when I take the kids to school every morning, one of the kind of things I try to pour into them is because they'll get in squabbles with each other or, or some little something, all of a sudden it's a five-minute debate. And so one of the things I've tried to teach them is, hey, don't get offended by the little things. Like, just don't be offended. It's move on. It's okay. Don't have to win every conversation. Mm-hmm. And so that's what I've tried to teach them. Well, the other day I was driving with my youngest son, and he's 10, and we had gone through the drive through and When we were trying to get our food, they said, hey, you need to pull over for about five minutes. It's going to take about five minutes to get the order done. And I was like, this is fast food, right? Like, can I just wait here? And no, sir, you need to pull over. Well, when I pull over, you guys tend to forget. And I sit there for a long time. No, you need to pull over. So Chase is watching. He goes, hey, dad, you know, I think you're getting offended by like little things. And it was a a great – chance for me to go to your point, Craig, like, I want to be teachable. And uh-huh. and kids see the real you, the filtered and the unfiltered version. And I was able to go, you know, you're right. Like, that's not a big deal. Mm-hmm. And I should have handled that differently. Next time they ask me to pull over, I'm going to do it the right way. And so that's good. Even with a 10 year old. Yeah, I'm learning. They see how God. things are to have a dad be able to say, thank you. Like you're helping mm-hmm. me be a better dad, mm-hmm. not just me helping you learn how to be a better son.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that's good. That's so good. Yeah, I love how God uses our children to really cause us to grow. One of the things at my stage I want to say is that I love how my two daughters have turned out, mm-hmm. who they are. They're beautiful women. And they have this phenomenal heart and they live so well and true. Mm-hmm. And they're both just phenomenal mothers and wives, and they have this incredible circle of friends. And I could not be prouder of my two daughters. But I want to say that it felt like when they were young and your children's age, Ellen. That there was just no way this was going to turn out this way. There were just so many fears we had and concerns and issues. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of our parenting, a lot of my being a dad was out of fear and panic that I wasn't raising them up in the ways of the Lord. And yet I look back and I think God had said to me that it's going to be okay. Just love them. What you want is relationship with your kids. Compassion is more important than compliance. Wow. Mm, and, that's good. and so I just went after their hearts and gave them mine as best I could. And then Brad, those early years of... My daughter's dating and making decisions that have a lifelong implication. implication. (laughs) (laughs) Just so nervous that thinking they were mature and older than they are, that they could still stumble. And that season, frightened, nervous, praying, concerned. And and they made it through it, you know, 10 years from now. Your children are going to be in a different place than they are. And just to have that confidence. So my story is I couldn't be prouder and I couldn't be happier. But being a good dad comes from being a good disciple. And the dad you want to be, the dad I want to be, comes by our walking with God. And ultimately, we can trust our father Mm -hmm. Uh, To father our children well. And I've seen that play out. And so to younger fathers, I just say, hey, just love. Just love them. Go after their heart. Be present, true. Yes, you're screwing up somewhere. (laughs) uh, Yeah, but there's grace. There is grace and there is God who is shaping your children into something
2: He's redeeming, he's rescuing, he's over it. So, Craig, that's to younger fathers. What would you and Brad say to fathers who have older children who are out of the house and feel like, wow, I really blew it, I really messed up during those younger days and it's taking them out? Even listening to this, it seems like there's more regret. Yeah. What's the message to them? Well, Brad could probably speak to tragic mistakes and... (laughs)
0: Screw, oh, yeah. screwing out better than I can. Yeah. <laughs> uh. yeah, that happens. That happens. And, you know, we live in a world that is horribly broken and it has impact on families and children and upon ourselves. And we've been wounded and we wound others and those things play out. But we have to as a parent, no matter what our relationships or circumstances are, believe that in the end, love wins. And the, the greatest thing we're asked to do is love, love well. And whether they're rebellious children or whatever the issue, what I would say is, ah, that's tough, what you're going through, what you're facing, what's unfolding. But there is God, and God is able to, in this life, regardless of the circumstances, provide everything we need to love and live well. And there's a whole lot that happens. There's a whole lot that happens after we're gone. I mean, you know, our children keep growing and maturing. and My heart aches for some parents who never see what their children end up being. Mm. And right. we may never see that in our life. But trust in the God who is over and involved and engaged with your kids. That's good. Right.
1: You know, Alan, for me, the times I've hurt my kids the most are not responding in love but responding in anger. Where something happens and instead of like thinking through what I should say or do at that moment, I'll say something – not loving, say something in anger and lash out. And realizing that if I had taken some steps or paused even a few minutes that what happened, an accident or something they did, I wasn't particularly fond of or whatever. If I respond in the immediacy, I've said things that are really, I wish I had never said. Mm -hmm. And Obviously, you can go back, ask forgiveness for that, but knowing that in some ways those memories can stick with them and they can be wounds that they will need prayer for and also to offer to them that, you know, you're not perfect. I mean, just like your story where you shared Chase, you know, caught you on like some impatience. Right. For them to see that you're human and you blow it, can be a good thing, but you need to ask for forgiveness. You need to own up, need to not run away from what happened. But then, boy, you have to trust God that they're going to seek you know, wholeness from that. You can pray for wholeness, but they have to be able to receive that. If they hold on to it, that can be something that they could remember for a really long time, and it may not be a good thing. So in the moment, it's to wait and to not respond. And then in the longer moment, it's the hope and prayer that they can take things to their heavenly Father for fathering and for wholeness and for more love to come through that. That's good.
2: Brad, I love the twofold kind of response of how to see and how to step into our mistakes and also into healing. One thing I'd add for any father listening, any dad, is no matter how old your kids are, in order to really father well, I think you have to first know how to be a son. Mm. And I'm not talking about a son to your earthly dad who may or may not be alive, but I'm saying God invites us as men into sonship. And until we know what it's like to be a son with him as our father, and until we taste what it's like to be a son of a good father We'll never have enough tips and techniques mm-hmm. and good. and lessons to That's pull great. it off. And so my invitation to all the men listening is rather than try to figure out how to be a better dad initially, mm-hmm. figure out how to be a better son, how to be a more present son to your heavenly father and walk with God as a son. Watch yes. him learn his ways and then be that type of dad, that type of father to your own children Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. that's really good that's good
0: we hope you've enjoyed this round table conversation about dads Brad thank you, Alan thank you and this is Craig McConnell thanking you our listeners for joining us and hope you'll join us again as we offer these podcasts to you And obviously, we've got a whole lot of resources and much, much more about just living this life with God, walking with Him. And you can get all we've got at RansomHeart.com. So check it out and let's grow together.